When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekel coming to you from Portland, Oregon, where me and my buddies Alex Abnos and Matt Pence, both of my athletic colleagues, are here with me ahead of MLS Cup between the Timbers and New York City FC on Saturday. Guys, I think this is one of the first times that we've done a three-way allocation disorder. Not the first, but one of. Um, You know, we dabble in three ways here on the show. Um, so thank you for joining me, first of all. Uh, and how's everybody doing? Matt, you go first. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I mean, <laughs> Matt, I love Portland, so it's great to get down here for the weekend, bring MLS Cup back to the Northwest to ease my like mode of travel. So that was nice. There you go. I mean, it's always here. We'll get into more of that. We'll get more into that a little bit later. Um, Alex, we flew all the way from New York. Yes, we did. Both of us. We, we left, we left New York where we live a mile away from each other to hang out in Portland. Um, super efficient of us. We'll talk more about efficiency too. These teasers the are really good. Um, These teasers first, are really, really good. Yeah, You're you guys, I'm this. a professional. I'm a professional. Uh, but first, we're going to talk just a little bit about the game and how these two teams got here. And Matt, why don't we start with the Timbers? You're a Pacific Northwesterner. How did they get here? Tell us about their season. It's been kind of a weird year for them. Yeah, I mean, they definitely took like a roundabout way to this point. Um, I think Diego Valeri was talking about what like an, a pleasant surprise this was for them to somehow end up with a home MLS Cup. Because even, I mean, a couple weeks ago, it didn't feel like it was going to be that way. Um, but it certainly didn't feel that way throughout most of the summer, um, especially whenever they bottomed out with their sort of infamous uh, 6-2 loss at home to the Sounders, um, which felt to a certain extent like that might be maybe the end of some kind of era uh, down here, especially because they were looking at a five-game road trip right after that. It really just felt like something wasn't right there anymore, but they just kind of found a way to steady themselves. And, I mean, they really they were super, super good down the stretch. Um, they only lost three games after August. Um, they kind of maybe fell back into the identity that they had before, which is a little bit mm-hmm. more defensive, kind of shore up those not giving up six goals in a game is probably a good way <laughs> it's hard to, to win games when you go six in goals <laughs> yeah um and so they kind of went back to square one played a little bit more conservative conservatively kind of leaned on what they had done so well in playoff runs past and then they kind of had a fortuitous draw had a couple good performances and here they are you mentioned it the timbers leaned on kind of you know what they've been good at for years it is infuriating to me that they are not better like just in possession like why can't they be a good team when they have the ball alex do you have an answer matt do you have an answer does anyone like this team was 20th in the league this year and expected i mean i think if i i think if i had the answer they would you know i I would say it and then they would hire me to be their head coach or or like to implement on their staff or something 
I think if they had the answer, they would do it. It seems like the Timbers always really want to start off every season by doing something different than the stuff that's brought them success. And they make a real honest go of it at the start of every season. And it might kind of work some of the time, but then eventually it falls apart. And this is a tough league. It's competitive. You have to uh, rely on what works. And what works for them is hanging back and absorbing pressure and hitting them on the counter. And they do that so well. They have the pieces that execute that so well. They've done it for years. And once you get on a roll doing something that works, why would you change it? So, like, I'm a little bit frustrated by the Timbers on a yearly basis because I want them to fulfill. <laughs> because, <laughs> because aesthetics. Because I want them why. to fulfill this, this like, goal that they, that they have for themselves. But I can't fault them for continuing to go back to it because here they are in MLS Cup uh, again. Matt, you mentioned Diego Valeri. You spoke with him today, I believe. We're sitting here recording on Thursday evening. Uh, is this the end for him? Do you think he's got another year left in the tank? You think he's going to hang it up? Like, you know, part of the turnaround the Portland ad is sort of when they stopped playing him so much. You know, I think that has to be mentioned. So what do you think? What did he say to you today? What's the impression you got? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of an odd vibe because, I mean, it, it certainly feels like it's done here. Um, I, I think that this weekend is his final game in Portland. I don't, it's not official anywhere. So it's a little bit odd because everyone's treating it like this sort of like send off game that hasn't been confirmed. Um, it sounds like he might go back to Argentina for maybe a year or two with Lanus, um, the club that he came up with, his neighborhood team. Um, but in terms of his time in Portland, I mean, I think that this is pretty much it. Um, and it's, been a little bit, I don't know about remarkable, but it does feel like in this age of professional sports, like guys have held on longer and longer and longer and sort of stayed closer to their peak later and later in their careers. And I mean, traditionally, this is kind of how it goes. You reach a certain stage in your career, you get a lot of mileage and you just kind of lose some of what made you such an effective player. And I think that Valeri just kind of reached that stage at a certain point. He can still make an impact here and there. He's still... I think going to be remembered very fondly here. I also think that it, I, I also think that it's probably just time for all involved. It might've even been time two years ago um, whenever they kind of had some contentious contract negotiations that seemed to maybe sour a little bit of that relationship. I mean, long-term, like give it a couple of years and he's going to be welcomed back to Portland forever to just do whatever he wants. But it just felt like they had reached a natural impasse maybe even a year ago, maybe even two years ago. And it's just kind of finally showing up on the field to a certain extent. Yeah, that'd be interesting if he goes back to Argentina. It, I don't know. I hate to see a guy like him go out kind of with a whimper, which is what it's been here down the stretch. Um, but yeah. he's still... Hey, I mean, he's got one game say, left on the biggest stage possible. He's still got some magic in those boots. And if you bring him off the bench for a few minutes, you need a goal. Maybe he can deliver. Uh, wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility. What a story that would be, too. Yeah, and I mean... I mean, as we'll probably talk about, I mean, the atmosphere this weekend promises to be pretty outrageous. And if yeah. Diego Valeri comes off the bench to score like a tying or winning goal, <laughs> like Providence Park might just like know. collapse. I, I don't in think on I himself. don't think he even has to score a goal in order for like I don't think you can as long as the Timbers win. I don't think you can possibly describe the end of his Timbers tenure as going out with a whimper because. They they'll, they will have won a title, you know. If you, that that's what every athlete wants to oh, do is. Sure, but what if he doesn't play? Okay, well, okay he has to play. I should say, I should, I should clarify. <laughs> he, he has to play like a little bit at least. Um, but he's done so much for this club over the years. You know, I I don't think yeah. anybody is expecting him to come in and take over the game, even though we know that he's capable of doing that. 
I think we can say that he's had one of the best careers oh, in yeah. MLS history. One yeah. of the most productive players, one of the classiest players, um, incredible, incredible career here in Portland. Matt, to your point, I think he'll be welcome here forever. He might need a year or two of space, potentially. I don't, I yeah, don't know. I think that that's probably right. I think that that, that relationship may have soured one way more than Yeah, I think, I think the Timbers would welcome him back whenever the hell he wants to be back. Anytime, anywhere. Um, let's talk a little NYCFC. Transition from the Timbers. And I do want to talk about the atmosphere, so don't let me forget that. But we'll talk a little bit about NYCFC. Similar to Timbers, in that they had a weird season. Started pretty well. Um, playing really good soccer for pretty much most of the season. They were kind of like the, the hipster pick for best team in MLS, even though they weren't like ever in first place or anything like that. They were in second in the East for a long period of time. And then September rolled around and they kind of went in the tank. They didn't score for four straight games and they were losing one nothing in Atlanta in that fifth game. And they got a free kick goal at the death to equalize. And since then, they have not lost. And here they are in MLS Cup. It's got the Revs, the all-time points record holders with a massive asterisk on that uh, in the playoffs. They took out Atlanta in the playoffs before that. And they took out Philadelphia uh, in the Eastern Conference Final. Those games in New England and Philly were on the road. They'll try and do it on the road again here in Portland. Um, to me, NYCFC is one of the deepest teams in MLS. They have talent up and down that roster. They've had some injuries this year. Two of their best players are out for this game in Keaton Parks and Anton Tinnerholm season ending injuries for both of them, but they've been able to plug and play. Uh, and I don't know. I, I kind of like their odds. Alex, what have you seen from them this year? I mean, what I've seen from them is, you know, they, they haven't been the most consistent team. Uh, you mentioned they, they had that, you know, awful stretch in the, in the middle of the season where they failed to score, but I felt like throughout it all, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that I watched every single game, but, they are kind of our local team. So I catch them maybe a little bit more often than most and on the yes network on the yes network. Uh, and they do always (laughs) because that's the (laughs) station where they play, but, uh, no, so they, they do always make an honest attempt to play the way they want to play. And I can't fault them for that. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but they're not, they do a pretty good job of it. Most of the time, but they're not going to change and they're committed to the style. And for me, what really stands out is, their midfield, really. Like this midfield trio, obviously Keaton Parks went down with the injuries that changed things up a little bit. But I think the trio that they've been working with in these playoffs with Maxi Morales, obviously at the 10, he's amazing. You know, anybody that watches any MLS at all knows that he can pull the strings better than just about anybody. Uh, James Sands and Alfredo Morales, who proved to be a really, really great pickup uh, for them, kind of playing that number eight role. Um you know, I, I think those three midfielders are kind of the, the at the core of what they do. And then behind them, just a great center back pairing. You know, they have a great spine. You, you talk about great teams having great spines all the time so much that it's a, you know, this should be the football cliches it's podcast. Cliche. But, uh, but it, it, it really holds true for them. And I think, I don't know, it's kind of why they're my, my personal favorites in, in this game, even though Portland will have the home crowd at their back. So it's hard to pick against them, but... NYCFC is just so solid and so committed to what they do. I feel like they'll stand a better chance than most at coming in here and just executing a game plan. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the spine uh, at training today, which you were not at. Alex Alex isn't cheating. He didn't know that this happened. This is breaking news to oh. him. Maxime Cheneau was asked, what's, you know, what's different? What's enabled NYCFC to make this playoff run? Where in years past, they haven't. And he said, well, one of the things we've learned from our past failures... But the spine of the team has been the same this entire time. 
And that really gives us like a real strength. You mentioned Maxi Morales on that Diego Valeri kick. Maxi Morales is out of contract at the end of this year. Uh, I actually asked him today. I was like, any discussions with the club? Do you think you'll be back? Because it's going to be your last game in MLS. There's been rumors that he'll go back to Argentina as well with Rossing down there. Um, and he, you know, he basically next weeked me. And said, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that later. Worried about the game right now. Um, which, fair enough. Good for him. But he, unlike Diego Valeri, has been excellent all year. Um, so curious to see what NYCFC does on that front. Um, but to me, the story with both of these teams is that they're two of the deeper teams in the league. And I think that's a credit to the way they've built their rosters. Um, it's not easy to assemble a lot of <laughs> a deep roster in MLS where you've got 10, 11, 12, like guys that you can plug in and feel good about all over the field. And I think both of those teams can say that they, they've done that. Um, and I think especially with Portland doing so without an academy is a real testament to their scouting work and their ability to kind of work the cap. Um, NYCFC does have an academy that has produced some players. James Sands, Tavon Gray, going to be starting tomorrow um, or tomorrow. Well, I guess it will be tomorrow when you're listening to this. Saturday, time has no meaning. It doesn't matter. You know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you're on, you're, you're on Pacific time yeah, now. Yeah, Pacific time. I'm rattled, man. Yeah. This is rattling me. I've been rattled um, all day. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, both of these teams do a really nice job, I think, assembling their rosters. We were talking about the atmosphere. We were walking back from the stadium to our hotel after the press conference through downtown Portland. And the three of us were lucky enough to be in Seattle for the last MLS Cup that was like a real MLS Cup in terms of atmosphere and fans. Obviously, last year with COVID, a different story. And we were wondering aloud, kind of the three of us, like, man, this atmosphere is going to be wild on Saturday morning. Emphasis on morning. It's a noon kickoff here, local time, <laughs> but it's going to be wild. Um, Matt, you're a Seattleite. You've been to Portland a million times, Providence Park plenty of times. What do you remember from that 2019 final in terms of pregame in Seattle? And how do you think Portland will compare and what do you think it'll be like on Saturday? Yeah, I think the thing that really stood out to me in Seattle was just how much of a like all city event that it was. Um, because the Sounders, they have obviously like a very dedicated and like it's it's hard to even say in any way that it's a niche following, but they have a very specific following. Seattle has a lot of different pro sports teams and the Sounders kind of fill their role, but they don't always maybe feel like the like mainstream team whenever you have an I mean, it's just comparing them to like the Seahawks, like Seahawks games always feel like it's such a like all of the eyes in the city are kind of focused on them. Um, whereas the Sounders in 2019, it just kind of felt like every single person I still remember like walking down in my neighborhood, like walking to the bus stop to get down near the stadium and like just two random people being like, are you watching the match today? And then like agreeing and being like, go Sounders. I'm like, that doesn't normally happen. Where I think that here, what's going to be really cool is like, just by virtue of market size and the fact that they really only have the Blazers and obviously the Thorns, but in like the traditional sports leagues, it's like the Blazers are the one team. And then you just kind of have the, the Timbers have like a very exalted place in this city's kind of sporting hierarchy. So to kind of see what's going to change from like Seattle to here is it's, it's going to be such an event, but it's also something that like Portland has been waiting for for a really long time. I just think that. The emotion is going to be just very genuine. It's just going to be very cool to see because it's going to be such a singular thing that people have been waiting for here for a long time. And I just want to jump in and say, so I haven't uh, been 
to Providence Park ever. Uh, and I now have. Well, you've been today. So I'm getting there, Sam. So I, <laughs> I have been. I have been to Providence Park for the first time today. I've never been in the stadium for a game. I've barely even been anywhere in the stadium. We were there for the press conferences today that were at like the club level of the of the new stand that they just built. And I'm saying this having never actually seen a game there. This is the best stadium in MLS. Like it it has to be. <laughs> and I can't How dare you do that to Yankee Stadium? How dare you? <laughs> I mean, listen, there's a lot of worthy competitors and Yankee Stadium is on that list somewhere. <laughs> it might be for, it, is? it might be farther down the list. Very far down the list. It might be at the bottom of the list. Anyway, my original point is that it, it really, it's the type of place, it, it takes a certain kind of place to give me that feeling w- that I got when I was first starting out in soccer coverage. I started covering games in England and you, you know, I, I had the good fortune to be able to kind of go up and down the country and go to all these different stadiums that are literally just like nestled into the middle of communities, all, you know, and it's kind of the same story anywhere you go there and all these stadiums have so much personality because they've been sort of built up over time and in certain sections and fits and starts, you can sort of see the history based on like which stand has been built the most recently. That's like the new one. And then there's an old one that still has like wooden seats and everything. Providence Park is the only place I've been to in the U S that's a soccer venue that feels like that. And it helped that the weather was gray and overcast and rainy and very, very English. I, I, had, I had definitely, like, I was telling you, Matt, this as we were walking back, like, definitely a very visceral kind of flashback experience walking up to the stadium. And that made me really happy. And I'm super, super, super excited to actually see the game happen on that field and fans in the stands and feeling how loud it is. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Like, I'm, I'm really glad that MLS Cup ended up here because it deserves, it's, it's clearly the type of venue that deserves this kind of, like, showpiece uh, occasion. Yeah, and it's I've been lucky enough to be I think I've been to almost every MLS venue at this point and this might not win me many friends up the road um where I live at full time, but this is my favorite venue. And I just think Hold that, on. The Sounders blogger <laughs> is is giving love to Providence Park? Uh it's just like every year, I mean you look at the schedule and the games that stand out, and honestly, even more than like looking ahead to the MLS postseason and kind of figuring out where they might be, I mean We'll get into more of the Sounders Timbers dynamic here in a bit, but like those games to me, having been fortunate enough to be out here covering soccer, I mean, it's such a special occasion. And the game that I always circle the most is the one here because like Providence Park on like a rivalry day on like a big game, big occasion day, it's unlike anything in American soccer. And I think that like, this will only even ratchet that up a level. And I'm like really excited to see it, even having been to dozens and dozens of games here at this point. It's going to be really, really cool. You guys, I think, described it really, really nicely. Uh, I don't know if I can top that. I will say I was here for the Western Conference Final in 2013. Um, I was working for Real Salt Lake at that time, so I was coming at it from a slightly different perspective. Uh, But the atmosphere was incredible in that match. Probably the best I've seen in an American soccer venue. Um, actually, I shouldn't say that because Seattle in 2019 MLS Cup was amazing. Atlanta in 2018 MLS Cup was amazing. But it's a different type of feeling when you're in an NFL stadium and it's 70,000 people and it's rocking and it's loud. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I know. Right? But this is a different type. I know that there are going to be a lot of fans out there that are just thinking that we're being overly nice to Portland, which like maybe we are. 
And I understand that there are great in- environments all throughout the league, like definitely more so than there's ever been. You mentioned Atlanta, Kansas City, uh, LAFC, Seattle, obviously, you know, Toronto when Toronto it's going, when it's going. Awesome. yeah, even FC Cincinnati, yeah. like that team is terrible, but the, the fans have been, have been good yeah. so far. Like well, if they ever get that thing going, <laughs> that place will, I mean, it was rocking for USA, Mexico. Exactly. I'll tell you that like, much. We have, and Austin FC, of course, you know, like we have like these, yeah. these venues and all these great environments that we can tap into as a league. I'm just telling you, like, trust me, like if you haven't been yet, like I think Portland is different. Like this I really man do. hasn't even been to a match and yet, even been to the, to and he's right. Yet. I know this <laughs> is right. like some true it's believer true. stuff. True. I'm sorry, he hasn't even been to. He's like I can just tell. He's right. I can just tell. also it is an old baseball stadium, so NYCFC should feel right at home. Um, with that, well, let's take a quick break. We'll be back after with some PNW domination talk and some updates on New York City FC's stadium search. Will they ever get one? Stay with us. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Today's episode is brought to you by our old friends, Mac Weldon. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have things both ways, like a zero-calorie cheeseburger, internet ads in March that weren't just reminders to do your taxes, a dog that never needs walking after midnight when it's cold, a Manchester United that is consistently good instead of their current scattershot approach? Well, we tend to think of clothing as an either-or situation as well. People think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort. But it's possible to have it both ways. Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. From their light-as-air underwear to innovative anti-odor tees and versatile yet comfortable pants, Mack Weldon has a full range of clothes that never go out of style. I got a few things recently, including a long-sleeve polo, which I love, uh, maybe the most comfortable t-shirt, which I also love, and my new favorite sweatpants, the Ace sweatpant. It's exactly what I described above, comfort and versatile, but still stylish. It's the type of sweatpant I can wear to pick up my kids from daycare and not think, I'm now wearing sweatpants in public. The other parents will judge me. Now I just think, judge away, nerds, because you will never be this comfortable unless you're also wearing a pair, in which case, high five. Mack Weldon is not flashy. It's just classic, always in style, and made from the world's most comfortable performance materials. They're designed to fit both your style and the demands of modern life. So get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code TSS. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code TSS to get 20% off your first order. Thank you to Mack Weldon for sponsoring today's episode. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder. Sam Stasekul joined this week by Alex Abnos, Matt Pence, my athletic buddies. We're in Portland. We're talking MLS Cup. We just broke down the teams a little bit told you how they got here talked a lot a lot about the city of portland and the atmosphere we expect should be amazing let's talk a little bit about bigger picture stuff and we'll start up here in the pacific northwest the sounders and timbers make mls cup every single year matt you wrote a story about this 
Explain. <laughs> Why can no one else get in? Yeah, it's sort of the premise I started with was that it's become kind of accepted as this like norm because they have like the Northwest has this well-recognized like soccer culture. Every year since like, 15, real. one of those two has yeah, been in MLS like, Yeah, and, and on some level it makes sense because it's like they genuinely like love soccer out here. The adult leagues are like among the most attended in like the entire U.S. It's like they've got this whole like cultural thing that's very, very real. But as I got into my story, it's like that doesn't necessarily kind of go into like top flight professional Lo- success. A lot of times it does. Lots of people play adult league it. soccer in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it's like trying to dig into like what these organizations have in common. Um, and I do think that they have been built in, in pretty similar ways. Um, I, I think that the organizations both have pretty clear visions in terms of where they can kind of win on the margins, whether that comes like the Sounders have like a really, really good data analytics team. And as you kind of alluded to early earlier, the Timbers have been very, very good at international scouting. And so they've kind of leaned into these things that are maybe a little bit more behind the scenes that you wouldn't often think about that like your casual fan isn't going to like think about when he shows up on Saturday to a final, um, but that do make a difference in the long run. Um, and something I didn't get into the didn't really get into in the story that I will tee up Sam for is that because they have been so stable and pretty solid organizations, they've also benefited from the fact that a lot of the wet rest of the West has been a little <laughs> bit down for a little while now. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like I, th- I think about this a lot and it's just kind of like, well, why are these, why are these same teams so good? And they do, they deserve credit for those reasons that you just mentioned, I think the owners deserve credit for simply wanting to win very badly. They want to win very badly. They've turned their clubs or benefited from their cities, turning their clubs into real, like, well-supported teams. It's an attractive place for smart people to come. They've hired those smart people. They've empowered them. They've given them a good number of resources, not top of the league, but enough and you go out and you compete. But when you look around the rest of the West, I mean, the Galaxy have been terrible for years now relative to what they spend. LAFC has been good, um, and and they should have won in 2019. They were the best team in MLS that year. But the Sounders took them out, made a great great game plan, and, and played one of the better games I've ever seen anyone play in MLS to win that conference final. Um, the rest of the league, you know, Colorado, until this year, Hasn't been much. Minnesota, kind of whatever. They're like a worse version of Portland, maybe. I think that's fair, right? The Texas. You're making a lot yeah. of friends. The right Texas now. teams. Houston's been a disaster for years. Um, Dallas, they don't really seriously try to win. Um, Austin, their first year, they weren't very good. Vancouver, uh, Vancouver is somehow like combines the toxicity of Real Salt Lake with like the soccer of the San Jose earthquakes. Um, the San Jose Earthquakes and Real Salt Lake, I think I just said what I needed to say about them. Um, and then you have Sporting Kansas City, which is like probably the closest team to the two Pacific Northwest squads in terms of consistent success in the Western Conference. And they have the same fatal flaw. And Peter Vermes is a great manager and a great general manager, but he makes the same mistake every single year. And that is that he doesn't develop depth and he runs his team down. And they get worse as they get tired as the year goes on. And then they crash out in the playoffs. Every year it's the same. It's like clockwork. Alex knows all about it, the resident Kansas Cityan on the, on the show. Um, so the rest of the West hasn't been very good, right? You can poke holes in all of these teams, and the Sounders and the Timbers just keep doing their thing, 
and they keep winning when it matters the most. Um, so credit to them, but also the rest of the West, like, come on, do better. You should be ashamed of yourself. I mean, when you think about Western conferences and sort of where the power centers are in those conferences in other sports, you think about California and you think about Texas and guess which two states did not make the MLS playoffs this year. All the California teams and all the Texas teams. For me, wow. I think that kind of says so, it. Is that so? Everyone outside of those states made it then, right? In the it's West? True. Yeah. Yeah. Literally the rest of the Western Conference made it besides <laughs> California and Texas. <laughs> That's funny. And that was kind of like one of the points I was trying to get across in my story to a certain extent is it's like, this isn't how it should work. And it's probably not how it's going to work long term. No matter what led to this random era of Pacific Northwest Dobbins, it's like, the market size, the area of the country, like it's a little bit of an aberration. Um, and so if you live up here, if you like follow these teams, like it's been super cool. Uh, I've been lucky enough to cover it during this era because it doesn't, when you look at it, like it doesn't make a lot of sense. So it's cool that they've been able to sustain it. Um, and it's going to be again, really cool on Saturday. It is going to be really cool on Saturday. You know what else would be really cool? You guys? No. If New York, if New York city FC ever got their own. Stadium. Oh yeah, that would be cool. You're right. <laughs> great, great transition. That was smooth. That was smooth. Um, obviously, if you're listening to this show, you know the situation with NYCFC. They play at Yankee Stadium most of the time. Some of the time they play at City Field. Some of the time they play at Red Bull Arena. One time they played in Hartford. It was weird. No one liked it. They're never going to go back. Um, they don't have a stadium of their own, and it is a massive weight on the club. It looked like they were making progress this summer, and then some shenanigans happened with some parking spaces in the New York Yankees and public, you know, you went back on on this deal. No, you went back on the deal, and the deal didn't happen, and a vote that was supposed to occur did not occur, and everything looked dead in the water. I talked to New York City FC CEO and President Brad Sims this morning to kind of get an update because for as good as NYCFC has been on the field over the last five, six years, and they have been very good. I believe no team in MLS has more points than them since 2016. Um, and they finally matched that with some playoff success this season. But for as good as they are on the field and for as well as they do in certain areas, this stadium thing is the thing that defines this club. It means they don't have the maximum revenue that they could. It means they can't really establish a fan base that they want to establish. Um, it just hurts them in basically every single way. And oh, by the way, that field at Yankee Stadium is tiny and not conducive to the kind of soccer the team wants to play, <laughs> like at all. <laughs> um, and, and so it's just a huge problem. Brad Sims, the CEO, he says they're going to have a stadium deal done, stadium done by the 2026. Done and cup. open. That's I what he told me. Built and Built open. And yes. He's like, I'm like, really? I, I, I literally stopped him. I was like, is that realistic? And he's like, yeah, 100%. And I was like, explain to me how. And his rationale was basically like, well, there's a new mayor coming in, Eric Adams. We lost the South Bronx site this summer. And, and that was a really big setback for us. But we had all our eggs in that one basket. They had been working on this plan for a couple of years. And they really weren't focused at all on anything but they had all that eggs in one basket, like I just said. I'm repeating myself. That fell through, and they had to look for other potential spots. And so they're looking at spots in Queens now. The South Bronx option is still an option. There's another place in the Bronx that they're looking at as well. Um, but it's going to be very interesting to see if that club ever gets a stadium done. I am a firm believer that it could really just take off like a rocket ship in the five boroughs. Alex, you've lived in New York longer than I have by a lot. 
So you're kind of the expert on this show. What do you think could happen if they get a stadium deal done? I mean, I think it would be amazing. Uh, and it kind of, at this point, doesn't matter where it is. Uh, they are so bought in and so committed to this five boroughs idea that it kind of has to be in the five boroughs. But New York is a big town, man. Like the five boroughs encompasses a lot of space. Uh, I think as put long it in as Staten I, Island, is that what you're saying? Yes. Put it in. Yeah. Honestly, no, listen, hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you put a, a soccer stadium right by where the Staten Island ferry lets off. So like there's currently a minor league baseball stadium there. If you like blow that up a little bit and somehow make somehow, I don't know if this is even possible, but fit like a 20,000, 25,000 seat stadium there, it would be one of the most picturesque stadiums in major league soccer, because from that spot, you can see the entire Harbor. You can see the statue of Liberty. You can see Manhattan Island. It would be amazing. And yes, you would have to ride, have to ride the Staten Island ferry to get there, but guess what? The Staten Island ferry is really fun. It's great. And it's free and you can, you can get a beer on it. Like I can't imagine a better, like quote unquote, march to the match than Staten Island ferry. So put, put forth that, make that my vote for Staten Island to be the new home of NYCFC, which will not be listened to by anybody and nor should it be. Anyway, you mentioned some sites that they're looking at, uh, including the South Bronx site that is still apparently possible, which would be great for all the obvious reasons. They already basically play there. It's right across the street from, from Yankee stadium, good public transportation access. Um, You mentioned Willits point, which is basically this spot that's right next to city field where the Mets play. I think that would also honestly be amazing as well because people know that as a, it's not like exactly super uh, close to Metro New York, whatever you want to define that as. It's not close to Manhattan. It's a little bit out there in Queens, but people know it as a spot to go to to watch a game. And getting over that mentality is so big. And it's a big reason why, for example, like Red Bull had problems drawing people to their stadium, which is not that hard to get to on public transportation like it's really not but no one wants to cross the hudson but nobody wants wants to cross the hudson and they don't know that as like a place to that you can go to watch a game Uh, i honestly think it's as simple as that so just knowing some you know how uh how much new york gets into big soccer events it's like i would argue probably the best city in the united states to be in during a world cup because you can find a bar or a restaurant to watch every single nation's game, Uh, knowing how popular rec leagues are, knowing how much idle conversations I have about soccer, just like being in the city. If NYCFC actually like put their own footprint on it, on it, it would be absolutely amazing and would take off. I think in a way, maybe even beyond what LAFC has, if they're able to put a good team on the field. I agree with that completely myriad hurdles to work through <laughs> new york city fc new york city development is uh I, i've learned more about it in the last 24 hours than i cared to and it's a disaster you sh- like just take my word for it it's a mess take take sam's word for it and know that uh whatever you want to build in new york city no matter how even if it's like a genuine public good and not like you know, something like a soccer stadium, the thing that's going to bring it down is parking spaces. And this <laughs> brings it down every single time, in spite of the fact that only 22% of households in New York City own a car. And a lot of those are in Staten Island. Makes no sense to me. There's well, a lot of problems in New York. As a non-Staten Island New York resident who owns a car. Who owns a car, I know. Don't erase me, okay? I'm not. I literally just accentuated you. <laughs> yeah, you. I've. I felt. I felt attacked. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. I, I was. I kind of was attacking you. 
With that, let's take a quick break. We'll be back afterwards with some MLS Cup predictions. Stay with us. Hey, folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show, reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early. There are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation. There's going to be offers coming through willingly. There's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there. There's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain. There are many things to deal with. And unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively. But for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder pre-MLS Cup episode from Portland, final segment of the show. It's going to be a quick one because we are running out of time on this Zoom call. I'm just going to be straightforward with you all. Uh, Matt, Alex, real quick, give me the main takeaway, the main headline, the main story that you're going to think about when you look back on the 2021 MLS season and give me a prediction for MLS Cup on Saturday. Um, I think we probably have similar headlines. I think it's kind of just the overall theme of the league this year is just like inching back towards normalcy. Uh, it's still not entirely normal um, having to like dig out your vax card on your phone and put your mask on to get through the gates and all that. But it's such a different feel uh, at this time this year than it was last year when the Sounders were flying to Columbus to play in front of, I think, an announced attendance of 200 people. Um, so to have like made that kind of progression, I think that will be what stands out to me. Um, and then to, to transition into my prediction, I'm going to go very specific. Uh, I'm going to go Sounders to New York City. One. Sounders. Yeah. He says Sounders. Uh, the Sounders blogger. 
real sad yeah, thing to do there, Matt. We might have to cut that out, but you, no, you absolutely know what? Absolutely no, we're cutting that out. It's fine. It's fine. So Timbers 2. <laughs> Timbers 2. You did so well. NYC you were doing so good. One. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> All right, Alex. I don't know how you topped that, but well, go ahead and try. My headline from the and from the uh, 2021 MLS season is uh, basically we made it. Like we did it. Uh, maybe this is just me, like in my position, having to like cover the sport in the United States and read all of your guys' great work. But it really this year really felt like kind of a marathon, and not just a marathon, but a marathon where think where people are like throwing stuff at you as you're trying to complete the marathon. We had two you know, big kind of major international tournaments compressing the season, a lot of fixture congestion. I can't imagine what it was like as a player to have to go through all this while while doing all the COVID stuff. It was, you know, we made it. We're at the end. We did it. Now we get this cool game in this this cool city. Um, And my prediction for that game is 2-1 NYCFC. Valentin Castellanos will score the winner, uh, who I somehow didn't mention in my preview of NYCFC, despite the fact that he's the golden boot winner in the league this year. Yeah, Um, pretty good. But that's my that's my prediction. Two one NYCFC, and I think it's going to go to extra time. I think they'll win it in the next Ooh, time. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Um, I don't want to give the same exact headline as you guys, um, so I'll just say my main headline and main takeaway is that there was a new CBA this year, um, and I say that because you know this is obviously the world's leading uh, labor relations podcast. So I just had to get that. No, um, <laughs> it's much of the same as what you guys said. Uh, although I would throw in kind of the added wrinkle that this wasn't really normal this year. It was halfway there. It was sort of like life itself in 2021. Um, and I'm hopeful that 2022 is an actual normal season in MLS. And we can go back and celebrate this weird league in all of its glory. I also think NYCFC is going to win. I also think it's going to be 2-1. to one. I also think Tati T- Castellanos is going to score the winner. But I think it's going to be in 90 minutes, not Ooh. 120. Um, so that's my pick. We all have 2-1. Uh, and the New Yorkers for New York and the Pacific Northwest Seattle resident for, I quote, the Sounders. Um, thank you for <laughs> listening. <laughs> this has been Allocation Disorder. I'm Sam Stayskull. They're Alex Abnos and Matt Pence. Guys, thank you so much for joining me this week. I had fun. Hopefully you did too. Um, say you had fun. I had fun. I didn't make them. I'm just glad we're all here, man. This is <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks for listening. We're glad that you're all here too, listeners. Uh, enjoy MLS Cup on Saturday. We'll be back next week with another episode of Allocation Disorder.